I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we start off with the Weekend Review, move on to the main event, which is a main topic of discussion or main review, and then typically finish up with film phase, our respective lists of our 12 favorite films around a particular topic, often marching backward through time. In this episode, we're going to have a little bit of a, a week in review, talking about what TV shows and movies we have been watching since the last episode, before providing the main event, which is our fall movie preview, looking ahead at the next three months in film, and talking about which, what, what it is we're looking forward to most. We will forego a film faves category in this episode, buy us a little bit more time to prepare for the next two film faves episodes, the F-rated and the 1980 and 81. So it uh, might be a little bit of a shorter episode this time around, but hopefully a lot of good stuff. So let's start with the week in review. Uh, Shanna, I don't believe you really caught up with anything on your own. Well, I'm working very hard not to hate people, oh, particularly okay. men, oh. while watching The Handmaid's Tale Season 3. All right. Yes. All right. So I, hopefully that will go well, and, and hopefully I will survive this episode to create another one. And then you can talk to us all about that that season of Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I just got three episodes to go. Okay. Uh, I, however, have watched a couple things. I, I'm usually really bad with TV, but this time I've actually watched some TV. I dove into a locker edition of The Wonder Years, which came out apparently around 2014. So I've had it for roughly five years. And I've, you know, I've dabbled in it before, but now I'm really trying to dive in. And I have to say, first of all, for those who don't recall or weren't alive, The Wonder Years is a TV show that aired on ABC, I believe, from 1988 to 1993. It basically told this, this middle schooler's life and his perspective of things while living at a very tumultuous time, the late 60s and early 70s. And it, it was a brilliant series where everything that was going on in the world was very peripheral to what was going on in front of this boy's face, whether or not a girl was going to call him, whether or not things were going well with his siblings or his best friend or if he was going to pass a test whatever it is right that's the focus of the episodes and it had narration narrated by daniel stern who had not yet done the home alone movies and on city slickers but had done some film before kevin arnold is the main character he's played by famously fred savage who most famously had done princess bride before this tv show and so I'm diving into the special features and stuff. I've only gotten through season two and into season three a little bit. And I have to say, this thing is a treasure trove for anyone who is a fan of the Wonder Years. Uh, anyone, I mean, this, this gets you pretty much anything you could possibly want. Whole half hour interviews of every single cast member. That alone is really great. And one of the things that really jumps out to me that that I get out of this is as a big takeaway is just how much respect the cast have for each other like you uh, you listen to any of them and first of all uh, Fred Savage was the first cast member to be signed to the show and every single one of the adults will will say to you how extraordinarily talented Fred Savage was and how unusually talented his instincts were as an actor you know he really didn't need much if any in the way of notes as an actor mm -hmm. you know at such a young age but also you listen to i think her name's Allie mills and dan loria who both played the parents and they have such respect for each other there's such high regard for each other and such love you know, I guess uh, at one point Dan Loria actually went to bat 
for Allie Mills and just like threw a huge fit on her behalf because they <sighs> wanted her to bleach her hair and it was causing her pain. And he was like, why don't we just get you a wig? And he just, he said, you know, he just went off. It was like one of the only times ever in seven years that he went off and had a fit. And he was like, I'm not going in front of the camera until you get her a wig and all this sort of stuff. You know, just the the fact that they had so much respect and they would go to bat for each other and, and also be very protective of each other. And they're very protective of the kids on the set. You know, mm-hmm. they they really emphasize how much they set the, the tone on the crew and the set of this being a kid's show, even though it's not like a kid's show in the like typical sense. You know, and how you might think of like a Disney t- kid, kid show or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't Xenon, this isn't, you know, Clarissa explains it all, whatever. But they would, they would really like pr- be protective of the kids so that they could have a life and be as normal as possible while doing the show. That sounds great. You know, and, and, and it worked out well for them. I mean, Josh Saviano, who played Paul, he went on to be a lawyer, apparently. Dan, Danica McKellar was score as you know she's apparently a mathematical genius and she went on into a a career in that and and stuff and so it's really really awesome i'm really enjoying it i didn't know i don't know those who may or may not remember there's danica mckellar who played winnie cooper who was kevin arnold's love of his adolescence and then there's like there's another girl whose last name is mckellar who apparent who played becky becky slater who was a one-time girlfriend of Kevin that Kevin used partially to make Winnie jealous, and she ended up just like hell hath no fury as a young woman scorn kind of thing. What I didn't know was Becky Slater in real life was Winnie Cooper's sister. And, and you only found that out because of all the special features? Yeah, like, and you would okay. never think because one's brunette, one's blonde. Like, uh, I, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Anyway... I'm having a great time. The Wonder Years, if you're able to, it has all the original music, which is really crucial. I don't know that the streaming sites have it in its completed form, but if you can, share this, pass this down, this this show. It's great, great stuff. The writing is brilliant. It is top tier, top shelf uh, material. The next show I saw was the latest season of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I've talked about this show before. Talked about how much I find it fascinating seeing comedians talking amongst themselves about the form of comedy, of stand-up, you know, and also cracking each other up. You know, there's there's very few joys than watching one comedian make another comedian laugh. Yeah, that's you know, quite something. That is that is a lot of fun. Or at least making the host comedian laugh. Yeah, either way. Yeah, I mean, I, in this case, I it's think Jerry that's Seinfeld. Special. <laughs> yeah, so Jerry Seinfeld, he he goes out, he chooses a car that he thinks fits the personality of his guest in every episode perfectly, and they go for a drive wherever it is. They end up getting coffee usually and just talk. And in this latest season. You have Eddie Murphy, Seth Rogen, Ricky Gervais, uh, Martin Short, among others. And the first three, first three especially were highlights for me. You know, like, when was the last time I saw Eddie Murphy in anything? When was the last time I saw Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy? You know, just talk for real about things. Talk about com- being a comedian and everything. And, uh, you know, reflect on the past. Reflect on people they looked up to. So, you know, uh, who may or may not have disappointed them or treated them badly. You know, Seth Rogen was a highlight, too. He's just, like, awestruck being in the presence of Jerry Seinfeld. Very kind of nervous, but trying to hide it, you know, and and having a good time with Jerry and talking about similar things, too. You know, like, apparently he was in ground zero of, of whatever the the domino effect that led to the Bill Cosby scandal exploding. And he talks a little bit about that. I won't go into detail about that because it's fascinating, not listening to me talk about it, but to hear Seth Rogen talk about it with Jerry Seinfeld. So you should definitely do that. That's on um, Netflix. I really enjoy comedians and cars getting coffee. I will laugh out loud watching it and I will just be endlessly fascinated and learn. You could learn so much about the challenges of standup by listening to these people talk. It's it's great stuff. Great stuff. So that about does it for my week. But Shannon, you and I have watched a couple things. Yeah. 
Last episode, we caught up with a couple of David Lynch films, particularly for you, uh, but one, you know, also for me too, a little bit, because you're basically knocking out his entire career of films for the most part. That's right. Right? Kind of get informed because you kind of have a fascination with David Lynch. And in between episodes, we watched The Elephant Man, which is a film I'd seen a long time ago. I didn't remember very well, but I was looking forward to seeing. I mentioned such in the previous episode. First time for you. Of course, this is the biopic, so to speak, starring Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt about Joseph Merrick, though he's called John Merrick in the film, who's a guy who suffered from just horrible, horrible, just, you know, uh, unidentifiable illnesses that deformed his skull, his face, his back, one of his arms, and he was kind of on a freak show sideshow kind of thing as the elephant man that people would gawk and stare pay to do this you know and anthony hopkins plays a a a doctor of sorts from a very prestigious doctor of sorts who discovers him takes him in wants to learn about him try to treat him and try to also give him some normalcy of life because he sees he's being abused Mm-hmm. Shannon, what did you think of the Elephant Man? And you know, you've seen everything from Eraserhead to Straight Story. In, in point of fact, we talked about that last episode. How does Elephant Man fall in with everything else you've seen of David Lynch's? Well, I love that it was in black and white. Of course, everyone knows that I that listens to the show knows that I have a fascination with that. And I loved the performances. I enjoyed the story. I thought it was very interesting. I didn't feel like there was a lot of David Lynch, Mm. if that makes sense. It does. However, like most of what people... You're you're referring to the weirdness of David Lynch, right? Well, even with the cinematography techniques, I think there's one moment. It's when the mother gives birth to our main character. I was going to say, it bookends, right? The very beginning and the very end is not that far removed from anything you see in Eraserhead. Yeah, and then everything else is pretty pretty normal. Yes, pretty standard. There's nothing... Mm -hmm scary or freaky or weird or uh, terribly terribly symbolic yeah it's just the character and his deformities themselves right that's that's the bizarre i suppose i thought that you know after watching this film i I looked it up and i was like oh it's a real person Mm -hmm. and you know there were a couple theories of what he was suffering from they can't tell exactly what he suffered from because right now because Unfortunately, bleaching and tests on the bones that they've done in the past have kind of taken away any chance of figuring it out now. And you're referring to the fact that his skeleton is actually preserved in a museum somewhere. Yeah, so you can actually go see the skeleton and you see a photo of it. You can see, because looking at him, you think it's maybe like soft tissue tumors that could just be cut out, but it's actually... Best way I can describe it is calcification of the bone. Yeah. So it's not like you can cut it away. Right. I mean, maybe you could now. But I, I thought it was very, I thought it was a very interesting story. I didn't feel like it was very David Lynchy. Okay. It sounds like you weren't in love with it. No. Okay. No, it's ranked pretty low on my David Lynch list. Okay. Just because my David Lynch list is rely, reliant on symbolism. So... It's ranked pretty low. Uh, is it near the bottom, or what What would be below it or above it? So I would place Elephant Man at the bottom, and then I'd on top of that, I'd probably place Dune, because I didn't really have a problem with it. And wow, okay. I didn't. I was like, okay. well, this is pretty interesting to me. Yeah. You know, and sci-fi is more my jam. Sure. And then he raises a head and, you know. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go and buy Dune or buy Eraserhead. I think watching Eraserhead once in my life is fine. Right, I think I'm right, good. right. It sounds like the same thing with Elephant Man. Yeah. I will say it was great rewatching it for me. Mm-hmm. It's not a movie I love, but I don't... David Lynch is a director I appreciate more than anything else. I don't love his films. I don't crave his films. And I've talked about how before... 
he he could be really too bizarre for me and too out there and mm. and for me my favorite lynch film is his most straightforward no pun intended film the straight story right and this is a distant second for me oh, in okay. his films maybe blue velvets is third or something like that for me you know oh i but, think my favorite is Mulholland drive yeah, yeah right 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 so uh glad you got to see it though yeah i'm i'm happy to see all his films yeah you know i think we watched is it lost highway we tried we to tried watch. and we, i couldn't get into it so yeah you got like I, halfway through it and yeah. you're like no 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 this no is i'm it. done now <laughs> and so maybe in a couple of years i'll try watching it again because that's yeah. what happened with maholland drive and now maholland drive is my favorite david lynch gotcha film. yeah so we'll just see and so you still have inland empire and wild at heart and you just said off mic fire walk with me left yeah i think so yeah very cool all right so that's that's the elephant man we have a couple more let's knock them out next was we caught up with the one of the most talked about documentaries of the year apollo 11 which was i think upon its release it marked the 50th anniversary of the mission to the moon with neil armstrong and buzz aldrin and all that this was a critically almost unanimously praised film it's got 98 percent on rotten tomatoes we have friends who saw it in theaters and were like you must see this film and and just like wouldn't shut up about it basically right uh, respectfully but we finally saw it shanna what did you think of apollo 11 were was there much uh, anticipation on your part to see it yeah in fact this is available in imax near to where i work and I really want to see it in the IMAX as well, because why wouldn't you want to watch something space inclined in that kind of format? I thought this was beautiful. I really appreciated that all this footage that was, t- I couldn't believe that all of this footage was taken, you know, when it was happening. And now we're only seeing it. Well, so, since the television, the, the vela, televised yeah. hearing, but yeah. So I, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciated it. I really loved seeing, you know, you can tell that it was shot on film mm-hmm. of that time. Of course. So it has a really particular color tone to it. Uh, I just really loved it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you regret not having seen it before we did our best documentary their favorite documentaries of the decade list i don't know really <laughs> i don't know where it would have ranked you know if at all. maybe it would have gotten in there just because there's this appreciation for the footage finally being revealed uh-huh. to someone like me uh-huh. you know and I, there's appreciation for the film i i think it's very special in the way it was shot mm. So I will say that the it is absolutely gorgeous. It is absolutely stunning. And it absolutely transports you. you know, first of all, they, they really cleaned up the footage. Like it looks, yeah. it almost looks like it was shot a year ago. It's really, really gorgeous it's stuff. so pristine. Right? Uh, kind of. It has an aged quality to an extent, but it is very, very clean. But what's fascinating about it for me is it really transports you to another time. A time when we had discovered as much as we possibly could on planet Earth. And the great frontier, the next frontier, was outside of Earth, right? Of course, sci-fi previous to this was all optimistic and, you know, going to other planets, you know, Red Bradbury, all that sort of stuff, you know, like what... Well, what, what, what could it be? You know, are there aliens? Is there another life? You know, what's, what's a planet like on another, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it really transports you to this sense of wonder, you know, like when you, when they land on the moon, like what is the consistency of the moon? It, is it, is it, if it's powdery, how far down do you go? You just get sucked up in it. It's like really scary, actually. What is it made of? Mm-hmm. Is it made of anything that is on our peri- periodic table? Like, all these questions that's just, like, just this new sense of discovery. And, like, literally, you're going to another planet, so to speak. What is that like, you know? So I think that's really effective, you know? And I think it's really important to be transported 
to a time prior to something that we take for take for granted today. Yeah. And you kind of remember that. The thing is, you really need a big screen to watch this film. If you do not have at least a 60-inch screen, this film is greatly diminished. And part of it is because they chose to have like six-point font on any of their oh, subtitles. God. Yeah. Explaining who's who or what the velocities are or whatever. And it's like you really need like opera glasses or something to be able to read it. And so I really think it suffers to an extent on not seeing it on on Max, not seeing it on the big screen, not seeing it on a sizable home system, theater system, you know, where you could really take in the wonder and really understand what the heck is being said on the bottom of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> That's my only thing. I don't think it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, documentary-wise. I'm not sure that it really would have made the list of best documentaries earlier this year, uh, of, of, of the decade. Mm. You know, maybe it's one of the best films of the year, probably. I don't know. I think outside of what I've already said about it, I think it's very effective, but... I don't know that I should. I don't think I it would, it would go down in history for me as one of the greatest documentaries ever. But it is definitely worth worth seeing. Just make sure you have the right format to do so. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it also helps the experience when you know about what's involved with space shuttles and mm-hmm. you know what what's the process of getting it from where they you know made it to uh, like it's like i don't know how far away but it's like basically to the other side of the the land that they have so that they can launch it you know seeing all the machinery seeing the tests uh, well we don't we don't see tests but knowing having that knowledge Mm -hmm. i think makes you appreciate it more yeah sure so that's apollo 11 i think it's like everywhere i think it's on like streaming platforms it's on cnn i think it's on Uh, your dispensaries it's everywhere so it's easy to find if you want to check it out next finally we caught up with lulu wayne's the farewell super exciting totally f-rated right a this helps us prepare for the next episode as it is a a not just an f-rated film it's a triple f-rated film because i think it is written and directed by lulu wayne and its main star and focus is aquafina and her character. For those who are not familiar, Aquafina plays a Chinese American who has a, a close relationship with her grandmother. I think it's called Ni- Nina. Nai Nai. Nai Nai. Thank you for reminding me. Her Nai Nai, who's who lives back in China. They stay in touch. They're very close, even though they haven't seen each other in, in years. She learns that her Nai Nai is actually diagnosed with stage four cancer lung cancer yeah and she's expected to die in the next three months but chinese custom is not to tell the person who is about to die so they make up a fake wedding of one of her cousins who's been dating a girl for three months so that way everybody can come together and more or less have their farewell for their nine so shanna we were lucky enough to catch this before it left the theaters. It mm-hmm. has made $13 million out of a $3 million gross, but... Yay, profit! Right? It isn't exactly a breakout hit, per se. Uh, it is an all-Chinese cast. Uh, maybe there's a couple Japanese in it, but it is is all Asian, like last year's Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. But this is a drama. This is not a zany comedy. What did you think of The Farewell? I really enjoyed the honesty and intimate moments that this movie portrayed. We get to see how Aquafina's parents are dealing with this news. She comes over to visit uh, to do laundry at home, of course, because why wouldn't you? And she notices her dad is a little off. And she goes into their room to check on him. And he's got his back to the camera. 
and we don't see his face at all. And I just thought that that was such a beautiful idea, how they were showing, you know, the the hiding of emotions mm-hmm. through the camera work. And it just, it looked so beautiful and it was so curious and the way it was lit and the way the bodies moved very slowly was just, it was so beautiful to the storytelling, Mm. I thought. And I really loved everybody's performances in this. I loved that, you know, when we got to the wedding time, we saw all the craziness. My cousin got married a couple years ago to a wonderful Chinese woman and they had this very interesting wedding portfolio photography session uh, taken and you get to see a little bit of that in this movie where they have these different sets in different rooms Mm. and I thought it was just so interesting and just seeing little things like that and then some sort of drinking game that they played at the wedding was also interesting and then I also really loved the moments between Aquafina and her grandma. And I I loved that she respected, even though it was very difficult for her, she respected the decision of, okay, we're not going to tell Nainai. And it's interesting watching her battle with that by herself. So yeah, I love this film. I can totally relate to not seeing grandma. I can b- relate even beyond that, because when I did come to America, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer and she died like three months later after the diagnosis. So I totally feel where Aquafina is and I totally admire how far she goes to be okay with it. Very good. I think it's a very fine film. I think it's one of the best films of the year. And I think Aquafina is getting a lot of attention for this film. And some of it's justified because she's, you know, the main character. She, and without her, the film like might fall apart or get weakened by a lesser performance than she, what she gives. But I think also praise should be heaped on the guy who plays her father, Zeet Ma, and the woman who plays her grandmother, her Nai Shuzen Zhao. Those two also give very strong performances. And in all honesty, Shuzen Zhao, like they do a lot to really develop this character where you care about her. And not all of it is really in the writing. A lot of it is through Shuzen's performance. Mm. You know, you're endeared to her from how she performs the character, mm. right? So she's she's really great. I'm not familiar with her, and but she's uh, she's deserves a lot more praise, I think. And see Ma as this this father figure that, who's also a son figure, who has to be very restrained, who has to keep it together, who has to be has to be true to his family and keep it together. He's just, he's just uh, really good. But more importantly, I think this film has some really great female voices in it, from Aquafina to Shuzen Zhao to, I think it's Diana Lin who plays her mom, you know, and, and a handful of others. I think there's really well-written dialogue from these women in this film. And... I think also, lastly, I will say that this is a film that really needs or deserves more attention. It should not be disappearing from theaters in favor of, I don't know, Hobbs and Shaw or, um, you know, some of these other things that have come out. But I think people might be assuming that this is a somber, sullen film, you know, and a bit of a drag and they'll just catch it on Netflix. And honestly, like, it's not that it does have some humor in it. It is. It does have some serious scenes in it, but I don't think either of us would argue it's a drag to go see at the theater. Well, and I think there's a lot of interesting little moments that we wouldn't be exposed to otherwise mm-hmm. because we're getting exposed to their culture. Yeah. And so, you know, I always see in shows 
the practice of Tai Chi, but I never quite understand it. And they reveal a little more of that. We get to see uh, cupping. We get to see uh, the visiting of the grandpa that passed away and the different things that the are grave offered site up thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to receive his blessing on the wedding. Yeah, so there's a lot of great, a lot of great cultural things. I think we both think it's one of the best of the movies of the year. Yeah, I think we both highly recommend it, and definitely vote with your wallet towards a movie like The Farewell for sure. All right, so we gotta move on. That's that's the weekend review, and now it's time for the main event, which is our fall movie preview. So here's what we do. <laughs> Here's what our, our movie previews look like if you haven't heard them before. We go month by month. I go through and I list the roster, what's coming out in a particular month. And then we go back and forth listing up one to three films that we're looking forward to most coming out in that month. And then we move on to the next month. So we have September, October, November is our focus. Okay. Sienna, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, I'm going to go through September, and then you tell me your thoughts on September and what you're looking forward to most, okay? Gotcha. All right, here we go. So, September kicks off Labor Day weekend, or or just after it, whatever it is, with Andy Machete's It Chapter 2, second half, finishing up that, that adaptation of that novel, the adults, the old version of the kids, are James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, and Bill Skarsgård is coming back as Pennywise. Okay? Not looking forward to that. All right. Staying away from the theater with that. <laughs> the following week, we have a few more films. We have The Goldfinch from John Crowley. This stars Ansel Elgort, Nicole Kidman, Finn Wolfhard, Sarah Paulson, Luke Wilson, and Jeffrey Wright. This is based on a 2013 novel of the same name by Donna Tartt. It stars a young man whose troubled childhood leads him to the world of art forgery. Okay. Next, we have that same weekend, the Downton Abbey film, which brings back, I assume, the cast of the TV series. Hugh Bonneville, Michelle Dockery, Elizabeth McGovern, Maggie Smith, uh, Imelda Staunton, all those people. I guess they are preparing for the Queen to come visit Downton Abbey. We also have a new triple F rated film from Lorraine Scarafi, uh, Scafaria, apologize, from STX Entertainment called Hustlers. Starring Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez, Julia Stiles, Lily Reinhardt, Lizzo, and Cardi B. Uh, It is a crime drama about strippers who are basically committing fraud, stealing money from Wall Street uh, employees, right? (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. I would like to see what happens there. Well, we'll talk more about, about... about uh, possibly that later. We have Super Size Me 2, Holy Chicken. Morgan Spurlock apparently has more to say about the fast food industry since his last film. And then the following weekend, the second to last weekend of September, uh, we have James Gray coming out, the director of Lost World of Zed and a couple other films. He's coming out with a sci-fi film called Ad Astra, starring Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Nega, Liv Tyler, and Donald Sutherland. I believe Brad Pitt stars as an astronaut who goes into space in search of his lost father. That same weekend, we have Sylvester Stallone going back to the well for whatever reason with Rambo, Last Blood. He wrote this. Uh, he co-wrote this screenplay. This is directed by Adrian Grunberg, who I'm not familiar with, and it'll star, of course, Sylvester Stallone. Lastly, in September, we have the animated film Abom- Abominable. Say Abominable three times fast. I dare you. Abominable. 
Chloe Bennett, Albert Tsai, Eddie Izzard, Sarah Paulson all star in this uh, animated adventure about a magical Yeti and the relationship with a child. So, Shanna, that's September. You have any thoughts on September? And share with us what movies you're looking forward to. There's not much that I'm looking forward to. I'm curious about Hustlers. I'm also curious about Ad Astra. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see Donald Sutherland and Tommy Lee Jones and Liv Tyler that are in that, apparently. Brad Pitt, yeah, sure. You know. Um, I don't know when we'll get to see another space film and then... You know, because it's the 50th anniversary right now of Apollo. So I feel like that's why there's a lot of space movies coming out. Hmm. So I don't know. We'll so see. you're looking forward to Ad Astra? Is that right? Yeah, and Hustlers. Okay. We will be reviewing Hustlers and Ad Astra well, cool. uh, in, in future episodes. Because I'm not helping you review it too. I That is actually, <laughs> of all the movies coming out, that's probably the one I'm most looking forward to. Just because... The first chapter was done so well, it really surpassed my expectations. So with the cast that it has, with James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, and Bill Hader, come on. I'm actually very, very curious to see how they finish this off. Although it is rumored to be really freaking long, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah you process that by yourself in the corner. I will, I will, don't <laughs> worry. But otherwise, yeah, September's kind of a tough month for me. I'm, I am curious about Hustlers and Ad Astra, but I can't say I'm excited about them necessarily. I yeah. think it's the closest one that gets me excited. But let's. I think I feel the same way as you. Interesting. But you're more excited about Ad Astra than it, Chapter 2, to be clear. Yeah, but I'm not yeah. like thrilled <laughs> about September. There's a lot of horror in there that I'm not interested yeah, in. Yeah, particularly it, Chapter 2. Okay, can we stop saying it? (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to October, shall we? Mm -hmm. All right. So October, we have, we're kicking it off with Todd Phillips' crack at the the DC villain Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, and Francis Conroy. Kind of a bonkers cast for a film like this. It... If you've seen the trailer, it kind of looks like it's trying to explain how the Joker came to be. That same weekend, we have a film starring Natalie Portman, John Hamm, Dan Stevens, and Zazie Beetz again, mm-hmm. and Ellen Burstyn called Lucy in the Sky. This is apparently the directorial debut of Noah Hawley. He also wrote the script. I'm not terribly familiar with Noah, myself, but Lucy in the Sky is about an astronaut returning to Earth after a lengthy mission. There we go, another astronaut. And begins an affair with a fellow astronaut. She heads into a downward spiral afterwards as she loses her connection to her family. And when her lover begins another affair with another astronaut, the bottom drops out. So that's Lucy in the Sky. (laughs) Also, we have Pedro Almodovar coming out with a film. Again, Pain and Glory, of course, starring Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz. The next weekend, Ain Lee comes back. Ain Lee, who I don't think I've seen him make a movie since Life of Pi a long-ass time ago, five years ago. He comes back with Gemini Man, which is a Will Smith Uh, film mm -hmm. starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Clive Owen, Benedict Wong. You've probably seen a trailer if you've gone to the theater in the past four months for this thing about Will Smith discovering an older Will Smith or an older Will Smith discovering a younger Will Smith and what's going on and and why is that the young Will Smith was sent to kill the older Will Smith? Oh my gosh. Then we have that same weekend, the uh, aforementioned in other episodes animated Adams Family film with an interesting cast that includes Oscar Isaac, Charlize Theron, Chloe Moretz, Finn Wolfhard, Nick Kroll, Snoop Dogg, Bette Midler, and Allison Janney. That's an eclectic family right there. Then Bon Joon-ho is back, the director of Snowpiercer, with Parasite. Parasite uh, just won some major awards at Cannes Film Festival. I think other film festivals, too. 
It is about an, an unemployed driver who lives with his wife and son and daughter in a shabby semi-basement apartment. The family struggles to make ends meet by working low-paying gigs, and one day his friend visits the family. As he plans to study abroad, the friend suggests that uh, he take over his job as an English tutor for a wealthy family, which he accepts. Noe Bon Joon Ho, it's not going to be so dry as that. <laughs> uh, Shannon, you've even seen the trailer for that. Does that look like a dry film? It looks very interesting. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. I bet that's putting it. It looks like really good cinematography too. So then we have Maleficent Two: The Mistress of Evil, and Zombieland mm. Double Tap. So it's a weekend of sequels. And then Taika Waititi has Jojo Rabbit, his original film, starring Scarlett Johansson, Thomasin McKenzie himself, Rebel Wilson, Stephen Merchant, Alfie Allen, and Sam Rockwell. It seems to be a kind of a comedy that has to do with Nazis and Hitler. Then we have Robert Eggers, director of The Witch, comes back with his much-anticipated film The Lighthouse, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. It seems to be a thriller about these two guys on a lighthouse, managing the lighthouse. Probably a psychological thriller, I'm sure. Shaun the Sheep the Movie come out with a sequel called Farmageddon. (laughs) And the last uh, few days of October includes the last full measure, which I think we saw a trailer for this recently. It stars Christopher Plummer, William Hurt, Ed Harris, Samuel L. Jackson, the late Peter Fonda, Bradley Whitford, and it is by Todd Robinson, who I'm not terribly familiar with. But this is a war film, a drama, that is about a Hollywood actor who works to have the actions of a Vietnam War airman honored. That could be interesting. And lastly, Black and Blue, which is an action thriller starring Naomi Harris, Tyrese Gibson, Mike Coulter, who, Shannon, you know as Luke Cage, and Frank Grillo who some people know as Crossbones from the Winter Soldier uh, Captain America film. This is about a uh, a police rookie who captures the murder of a drug dealer on her body cam. She actually witnesses the murder of a drug dealer on her body cam. What's more disturbing is that the murder has been committed by her partner and a squad of dirty cops. Guess who Frank Grillo plays? (laughs) So that's October, Shanna. Do you feel differently about October? Are we starting to get a little more excited compared to September? What are you excited about? Definitely. I am excited about Lucy in the Sky. I guess we have more space movies coming up. I guess. I'm excited to see Natalie Portman. She is one of my favorites. I also love John Hamm. It's nice to see him in movies. The imagery in the trailer looks amazing. There's a few camera tricks and special effects to help tell the story so i'm looking forward to that then we have jojo rabbit definitely excited about this i cannot wait to see how they're using the concept of nazis and especially hitler he seems to be having a big role in this (laughs) film in and it's a comedy so that's why it's just a little weird for me played by taika waititi oh yeah, yeah yeah and so that's why it's a little weird i'm like so it's not a war movie right it's not a drama Mm-hmm. with Hitler. It's a right. comedy with Hitler. Mm-hmm. So, and because it's Taika Waititi, I mean, like, I'll throw any any money his way, you know? Yeah, well, that makes sense to me, man. I mean, I'm excited about Jojo Rabbit myself. You know, there's a few curiosities I'll mention in a second here, but really Jojo Rabbit's the only movie I can genuinely say I'm excited about, especially after seeing that trailer. Hey, Jojo, my old friend. Hi, Adolf. What's wrong, little man? They call me a scared rabbit. Let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's going to get us all killed. It just, it, it calls to mind a mix of like something like Hunt for the Wilder People and like a Wes Anderson film. You know, like uh, Moonrise Kingdom or something. It's mm. It's silly, but it has this like quirky, silly kind of tone to it. 
And the way Taika Waititi plays Hitler, it's almost like if his vampire character from What We Do in the Shadows wasn't a vampire but was Hitler. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's pretty good. It, it's very it, it's very humorous. So I'm excited about that. You know, I just don't know what to make of this Joker film. I, I'll probably see it just to be able to finally put my finger on it. But I can't say I'm excited. I... You know, I don't really need an origin film of Joker if that's what we're looking at here. It's just odd to me. I am curious about Zombieland Double Tap, but we're talking about 10 years difference here. Like, uh, you know, how you survive in in Zombieland for 10 years. And is it going to seem stale? You know, I'm kind of curious about that. And I'm curious about the much-anticipated film, The Lighthouse, as well. So let's talk about November, shall we? Which I think we will agree is a little bit more of an exciting month. It has a little bit more uh, opportunities. They're kind of starting to cram here. So let's go through that. First of all, it starts right off November 1, Terminator Dark Fate. Tim Miller of Deadpool is directing Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Coming back uh, with Mackenzie Davis also in it. And Edward Furlong is rumored to have returned as well. This film basically ignores everything that came out after Terminator 2 as though those things never existed. Which is probably how people want it to be. It could be, yes. It could be a blessing. But, uh, yeah, so Terminator Dark Fate, that's the first. Also, Motherless Brooklyn, which is an Edward Norton film. He hasn't directed a film in quite some time. He has this crime thriller where he stars as a guy with, like, Tourette's Syndrome. And it has Willem Dafoe, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Bobby Cannavale, Alec Baldwin, who play, he seems to play, like, this, this keen pin wannabe kind of guy in the big city who wants to make everything corrupt and kind of, like, have all the power. Michael K. Williams, Leslie Mann, and Bruce Willis also star in a pretty solid cast. Casey Lemons has a film called Harriet. This is all one weekend. Harriet, about Harriet Tubman, starring Cynthia Erivo and Janelle Monet. also. It's kind of self-explanatory. It's about Harriet Tubman, you know, on the, the Underground Railroad. And what, what actually, first time we've ever seen Harriet Tubman on film. The following weekend, the next weekend in uh, November, we do have Doctor Sleep, which is a sequel to The Shining, starring Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance, all grown up with The Shining. Rebecca Ferguson looking creepy. Carl Lumley's in it. Bruce Greenwood as well. That's directed by Mike Flanagan. We also have Playing With Fire, which is kind of a family comedy about firefighters and kids. It stars John Cena, My, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, John Leguizamo, Tyler Maine in it, who some people may know as Sabretooth from the original X-Men film. Judy Greer and Dennis Haysbers in it. Very silly, family-oriented comedy. Last Christmas, which is a film that is written by Emma Thompson, co-written by Emma Thompson, directed by Paul Feig, who's uh, had a great decade, that kicked off with Bridesmaids. He's coming out with a film, Last Christmas, a Christmas comedy, which stars Amelia Clark going from Khaleesi, Daenerys Targaryen, to a comedy where she's an elf, kind of slumming it, and meeting Henry Golding, kind of a, a relationship comedy with them. Also stars Michelle Yeoh and Emma Thompson. Midway, Roland Emmerich is... is uh, Throwing Down with a war film about the Battle of Midway, starring Ed Screen, Patrick Wilson, Luke Evans, Aaron Eckhart, Nick Jonas, Mandy Moore, Dennis Quaid, and Woody Harrelson. We have all this in the same weekend here. The animated film Arctic Dogs, starring Jeremy Renner, James Franco, Heidi Klum, Alec Baldwin, Omar Sy, Angelica Houston, Tommy Lee Jones, John Cleese, how'd they get all to be a part of this thing? It's basically about a you know a weak dog having to prove himself as a you know worthy of being a sled dog, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. based on the trailer we've seen on nauseum. Even though he's not built for it. Right. Yes. Atomically. So we move away from that weekend finally to the middle of November with Charlie's Angels. Elizabeth Banks snatched up this property. She's refreshing it with Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott. Ella Balinska, 
but also herself, Jamon Honsu, and one Patrick Stewart. Also, Ford versus Ferrari, James Mangold, who did The Wolverine, Logan, Walk the Line, a lot of solid films. He's doing a film about the competition between uh, Ford and Ferrari, starring Matt Damon, Christian Bale, John Bernthal, Tracy Letts, Josh Lucas. It looks like it might be a uh, you know awards bait film. And we have The Good Liar with Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren starring together in a Bill Condon film. Uh, Bill Condon, some people may know for doing films like Gods and Monsters, Dreamgirls, Kinsey. I think he did the last couple Twilight films or something. Uh, and I think the last uh, Beauty and the Beast film. The Good Liar is essentially about Ian McKellen courting Helen Mirren. And it turns out Alan, Ian McKellen's not necessarily on the up and up. He's trying to steal. Then we have the report from Amazon Studios. It looks like they're going to do a day and date thing where it's going to be on limited release, but then also on Amazon Prime on the same day. So it kind of counts in our consideration here. Adam Driver, Annette Benning, John Hamm, Jennifer Morrison, Tim Blake Nelson. All of this is like this kind of political intrigue drama about real events that happened post 9-11, I believe. It's about a staffer that and the, the Senate Intelligence Committee as they investigate accusations of torture by the CIA following the September 11th attacks. It also weaves together more than a decade's worth of real-life political intrigue. So there is that. Seems like it might be a little bit relevant. And... Um, then we have Frozen 2, kind of self-explanatory, Disney coming out with a sequel of Frozen. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is Mariel Heller, who did Can You Ever Forgive Me? We talked about a few episodes ago. She's taken a crack at this biopic of Fred Rogers, played by Tom Hanks. And kind of this, this, this incident where a reporter tried interviewing Fred Rogers and he ended up being infected by that interview more in more ways than he imagined. Because that's what you have what happens when you get to meet with Mr. Rogers. That's right. We also have Twenty One Bridges, this kind of action film that's produced by the Russo brothers. Chadwick Boseman stars in it. It got bumped from like the spring or the summer. We've seen a lot of trailers where Chadwick Boseman is the one guy who can track down the criminals and shut down all of New York to do so. J.K. Simmons also stars Sienna Miller. Taylor Kitsch. I'm excited to see Taylor Kitsch in, in something, for crying out loud. The poor guy. Love him. What else do we have? We have Knives Out. Ends the month. This is Ryan Johnson's upcoming mystery film. Uh, it's kind of like an Agatha Christie-influenced mystery, you know, where you have a huge cast mm -hmm. and somebody's to blame for people dying. It, it, that cast includes Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas from Blade Runner 2049, who I love, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, Lakeith Stanfield from, sorry to bother you, and Christopher Plummer. And then finally, we have Queen and Slim, which is this kind of romance drama starring Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner-Smith and Chloe Savani and Flea and Bokeem Woodbine. Basically about this couple that they're, they're going out on a date. They get pulled over by a cop. And one thing leads to another that le that ends up with the cop's death accidentally. They're on the run, Bonnie and Clyde style, essentially. And uh, trying to survive and not get arrested or accidentally killed. Shannon, that was a lot of movies to go through, wasn't it? I mean, I think it was a lot. So... Was it a challenge for you to boil it down to just three movies that you're excited about or not so much? Actually, it was very difficult. I'm really excited about November. I am really glad that we found a movie plan that we're going to use so that we can enjoy November to its fullest. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the three that I'm really excited about. Okay, go for it. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to miss 
its first showing kind oh, of thing. Oh, is it? Well, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is Terminator Dark Fate. I mean, why wouldn't I? It's Sarah Connor. She's back. I have always loved Sarah Connor. She is someone I would look up to as a kid because she's such a badass. Then the next one is Harriet. I'm very curious. I don't know much about her story mm-hmm. because it's such an American story. I, I don't know anything. Really. A lot of Americans don't either. Honestly. That, well, maybe that's going to change now. Yeah. Then the other one is Knives Out with Ryan Johnson. I saw the first few seconds of the trailer and I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, we're going to this. Because naturally, I'm a big crime fan and like the cast looks amazing. The cinematography looks awesome. Mm. I'm very excited. I am so excited. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot. This is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it, by the way? The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family was killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. Gonna fly. I'll take a chance. You know something. Spill it. I suspect. Foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. <laughs> I'm gonna live, 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 until I... It's a twisted web. We are not finished untangling it, not yet. What is this? CSI KFC? <clears throat> Very cool. So for me, yes, there is more to look forward to. There are a few curiosities. Terminator Dark Fate, for me, I've just been burned too many times. So I'm very, very reluctant. I'm not, I can't be excited about that. I, part of me is like, just let the franchise die. And part of me is cynical and like, I know they're getting Lyndall Hamilton back to get rope people like me in to the theater. So we'll see about that. I think the first one that I'm really actually legit looking forward to, it's it's kind of a toss up between Midway and Charlie's Angels, honestly, because the trailer for Midway looks really awesome mm. and very effective um, and kind of surprising for Roland Emmerich. It doesn't look too superficial. But then Charlie's Angels, like I'm really like down for whatever Elizabeth Banks wants to throw at me. And... After watching the trailer, like, I think it could be cool. I think it could be better than the 2000, what was that, 2002 or 2000 uh, version of Charlie's Angels with Drew Barrymore and, and Cameron Diaz and all that, I, you know, which is very, very silly film. I think this actually tries to go for a cooler action thing, and it could be a franchise starter. But uh, The Report by uh, that stars Adam Driver, I saw the trailer for that. That really piqued my piqued my curiosity. I'm actually legit interested in that. It has an awesome cast. It, it looks like it'll be very very relevant. Yeah, so I'm I'm very much down for the report. But the other film I'm really really looking forward to is uh, Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. Just like you, like I looking at the cast. 
first of all, anything Ryan Johnson throws down, I'm down for too. Mm-hmm. Like ever since, kind of ever since Brothers Bloom, his second film, I'll like check out whatever he's doing. And then like he did Looper, which was like, dude, you got me. Yeah. And then he did Last Jedi. So like anything he throws out, I I will watch now. And the good dude, the guy is just really cool and funny. He's just a cool guy. He knows what he's doing. Uh, I'm surprised Queen and Slim's not a film you're looking forward to. You saw the trailer for that in the theater, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that looks amazing. Yeah. What made you pick me? I liked your picture. What? You had this sad look on your face. I felt sorry for you. Damn. So what happens tonight? Did you think we were going to have sex? No. <laughs> no. I thought we were going to hang out, maybe get to know each other. You're swerving a little bit back there. Go ahead and ask you to step out of the vehicle for me. Get on the ground! Are you serious? Why is he under arrest? Just chill! Just chill! Get back in the car, you're going to jail too! What do you want? I want to ride or die. Cop killers! Cop killers! It was self defense. There is nothing back there for us. We're in the black money and class. Is this y'all? Power to the people. I ain't gonna bend the world. As long as my lady remembers me fondly, that's all I need. Can I be your legacy? You already are. But not, not enough to really excite you. Over the others. Listen, I'm really excited about just about everything that's coming out in November, but I can only speak about three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to, we yeah, we don't want to carry on too much. And a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm just, eh, I don't know. You know, I just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see about that one. Do you have any other thoughts about the fall movie season before we wrap up? I think September is pretty light. I don't have a lot of hope for September. Mm. I think October is going to be a nice little, well, let's show you this one and let's show you that one. And then I think November is going to be like, holy cow, how are we going to fit all these movies in? Yeah, it. they're definitely ramping it up starting in November. That's for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm mapping out our schedule for the uh for the episodes for the podcast um in those months and it'll be interesting you know and then you know december as has been the case for the past four or five years it won't be any better i'm sure but we'll talk more about that when the time comes for our winter movie preview in the meantime we're curious what are you looking forward to this fall feel free to email us at the gibson review at gmail.com Shanna, before we talk about what people can look forward to in the next episode, why don't you share with them where they can hunt you down online? That's a little predatory, don't you think? Well, you know, because they're fans. They're fans. They want to see what you're up to. Uh-huh. Let's all be respectful. Yeah. It will be Shanna underscore Paxton on Instagram. S-H-A-N-N-A-P-A-X-T-O-N. Awesome. Uh, of course, go to thegibsonreview.com. You'll find everything there. I'm actually found discovered there's a couple of things I could do I didn't know I could do with the site. So I've kind of tried neatening it up a little bit uh, for you. So you can find things like every Movie Lovers episode easily on there. But you can also go to your favorite podcatchers, Spotify, SoundCloud, I think Apple Podcasts. Uh, but also Stitcher, too, to find other episodes of the podcast, The Movie Lovers. Go to our social media, Facebook slash The Gibson Review. We haven't had any new followers in a while. It would be great to have you, you know, go ahead and follow us there. Uh, you can also find on Instagram, The Gibson 99. That moniker is also where you can find me on Flickchart, The Gibson 99. And, you know, you can... Share your list with my list of, you know, a few thousand films I've seen. And, of course, you can always throw a buck or two our way to help with deferring the costs of the podcast, the website, our subscription fees, everything else. 
If you like what you hear, you uh, appreciate us, just throw a buck or two to the Gibson Review at gmail.com on PayPal. Next time on The Movie Lovers, we will be... It'll be an F-rated episode. We will Super be, exciting. Yeah, we'll be reviewing Hustlers and talking about our favorite F-rated movies of the decade. So... That should be interesting. I think we'll have probably in the the weekend review, I imagine we'll probably have another film or two to talk about that we're catching up with that's uh, F-rated as well. So look forward to that. You can find that on September 17th. Seems like so far away. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.